Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the old days. Good times I remember. Addition as I catch up with four former Bengals, including three who were chosen among the top 50 retired players in team history when the Bengals celebrated their 50th season. But we're not looking back on this edition of the pod. I'll talk to David Fulcher, Joe Walter, Jim Breach, and John Jackson about the team's offseason moves and its immediate future. Before we get to those conversations, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Cincy Bobs. If you love Bengals memorabilia in general and bobbleheads in particular, I encourage you to check out Cincy Bobs. It's a new company started by Bengals fans Joshua Huffman and Hollis Strunk that makes incredibly detailed bobbleheads beginning with Bengals greats Anthony Munoz and Ken Riley. And there are more to come as part of their Bengals legend set. You can find the complete list on their Facebook page. Ken Anderson and Tim Crumry are coming next with autograph opportunities planned for September. So if you're interested, look for Cincy Bobs on Facebook. There's also a website coming soon. Another player who is part of the Legends bobblehead set is safety David Fulcher. I recently caught up with a three-time Pro Bowler and discussed the contract status of Jesse Bates and why David is happy that some people consider last year's Super Bowl run a fluke. David, what was your reaction to some of the moves the Bengals have made in the offseason? Oh, unbelievable. I, I think finally, after so many years of watching this franchise kind of stay in, in the middle of the pack, I think some of the, the free agent picks uh, were well overdue. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited just to see Burrow play <laughs> with somebody up front that, that can really protect him. Yeah, they had an obvious need, and they went out and signed three free agents to fix it. And that's... Uh, that's surprising because we've been around here for so long that those are the things that us couch quarterbacks have been waiting for. And all of a sudden, boom, the Bengals do exactly what we expected. We wanted them to do, not expected. We wanted them to do. And, um, and once again, I mean, they still got to play football, but at least we addressed what we needed. And then in the draft, they went heavily on guys that played your position, a couple of safeties and, uh, and a cornerback. Uh, and these guys are all very versatile. You are an extremely versatile player. I imagine you like seeing that in the guys they drafted. Well, that was great. I mean, I, I, I think it's always good that you can put, you know, a safety over at corner. You know, they can put five wides in there. They put big in there. And, you know, and these guys can come and play big as well. Um, unfortunately, I, I hate to see Jesse Bates sit around and not uh, not be part of this football team right now. But I understand the business part of it and I understand what Jesse's trying to do. But it's really nice to have choices. When you have choices, uh, it gives you an opportunity to do a whole lot of things, and I think this football team has put themselves in position to make plays and, and, and maybe get back to the Super Bowl again. They still have until July 15th to theoretically extend Jesse Bates. I don't know where that stands. Obviously, Joe Burrow's contract's going to be coming up before too much longer. Can you afford to pay a Jesse Bates at the top of the pay scale with some of the other guys that are going to be coming due? Well, I think that's what's happening right now, just to sit back and watch and see it. Um, if these young guys pan out to be just as good as Jesse, then, you know, you're, you're going to lose Jesse. And especially when you got, you know, Burrow and Chase and 
that offensive uh, the football team that they've got to try to keep them. So, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate, man, that they're not in 1980s, you know, where the, the contracts aren't that big. But it is what it is, and, you know, you, you, it's a business. Because that's what Mike Brown told me when I, when I was released by the Bengals. He told me it was a business. And I never looked at it as a business mm-hmm. because I just love playing the game of football, and they paid me to hit people. So I can understand now, 30 years later, that it really is a business, and, you know, you got to take what you got. And, you know, if, if I'm Jesse, you know, and I can give him some words of wisdom, I know he wants that big contract. But if you love playing the game of football, $14 million ain't bad. <laughs> it ain't bad at all, man. It ain't bad under any circumstances. Von Bell is not as big as you were when you played, but do you see a little bit of yourself in him in terms of his demeanor, his uh, his willingness to hit, et cetera? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I try to tell people, they always ask me about Von Bell and because he's not as big as you are, David, doesn't weigh as much as you did, but he, but he makes plays. And, you know, if, if you got the heart to play this game, you don't have to be 6'4", you know, and you ain't got to be 240. You just got to make sure you make plays, and the guy makes plays. And people respect him back there, and receivers see him back there come across the middle, and, you know, he's not wearing 33, but, he, you know, <laughs> he can hit like 33. So, yeah, I, I respect him, and, and I wish him well, and I hope that uh, it continues to more success. There's a bit of a national narrative out there that the Bengals were something of a fluke. Maybe that's not the word that some people are using, but you know what I mean. Does that annoy you with with that impression that seems to be out there in other parts of the country? You know, I like that, man. You keep calling me a fluke all you want. If we keep winning and we keep getting to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to one day say it's not a fluke. Um, and, and, I, and I don't think anybody, I mean, a true Bengal fan, even a player, I was only concerned about winning one playoff game. When they beat the Raiders, I was happy. If they would have lost the next week, I would have been like, you know what, we finally won a playoff game. But then all of a sudden, it got to the point where they start winning and winning and winning. And, you know, a play or two away from winning the Super Bowl, you know, you don't get to the Super Bowl because it's a fluke. You get to the Super Bowl, man, because you've done something good to get there, and this football team's got it. Great to see you. Appreciate the time. Yes, sir, man. Take care. This week, David hosted his sixth annual Putt for Penguin celebrity golf outing to benefit the WAVE Foundation. That's an organization that partners with the Newport Aquarium to educate the community about aquatic life and the importance of conservation. Up next, another all-time Bengals great, offensive lineman Joe Walter, the right tackle for the 1988 AFC champs, who unfortunately had to miss the Super Bowl that year after tearing his ACL in the regular season finale. Everybody knew the Bengals needed to improve the offensive line. They went out and signed three guys. What was your reaction? You know, I got to tell you, Dan, I was really excited. Those are three stout guys, veteran guys, leaders. Uh, it's exactly uh, what they needed for this offensive line to, to help this young guys grow and figure it out. These are some players. Lael Collins, the new right tackle, came from Dallas, has the reputation of just being a mauler. Sounds a little bit like a modern-day Joe Walter to me. Uh, Your reaction to him specifically playing your old spot? You know what? I'm excited about this guy. I watched him play when he was at Dallas, and he is a mauler. And, you know, just the way he came in, I've got your back, Joe Burrow, nobody's going to touch you. You know, that was just big. I'm excited about him. I really am. As an O-lineman, how difficult was it to watch the Super Bowl? It was very hard to watch. It was very hard to watch. Just to, you know, that far into the season, a lot of technique problems and issues, footwork issues. It was just, you know, you just scratch your head at some of the stuff that they were doing. Like, 
you know, football's an easy game. If you just go by the rules, you're going to be okay. And it was like they weren't even going by the rules. And it, it, it's, it's, it was crazy, but, you know, we got there and we'll get there again. Rules as in how to handle twists, how to handle stunts, yeah. offensive yeah, line rules. got rules on how to handle a twist, your footwork rules, your blocking rules. You know, if there's a twist, where are you supposed to be? And there's all kinds, right? It's, it's an easy game once you figure it out. These guys obviously haven't figured it out yet, and hopefully this veteran leadership will help them. We're chatting with Joe Walter. What was your reaction to seeing Joe Burrow's demeanor as he got hit, never complains about the O-line, never has that, you know, whiny face uh, after a sack. What did that represent to you? Well, that's a true leader. And, you know, we don't know what he was saying in the huddle. We don't know what he was saying in the locker room. I'm sure there was some butt chewings going on. But uh, as far as not showing it publicly, it was really good. And it means a lot to a lineman, right? When they know that the quarterback's got your back. You know, he may chew your tail inside, but outside nobody's going to know. How excited are you for this season? You know, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, it's all about health. They've got to stay healthy, and, uh, you know, they were one of the healthier teams last year, hence the reason they got to where they were going, plus some big plays. But this is a fun, exciting team to watch. You know, just if you can give Burrow, you know, you think of the last play of the Super Bowl. If he had just had one more second and gotten the ball off, there was a possible opportunity to win the dadgum thing, right? So I just think that with this group of guys, the leadership that they brought in, they're keeping the talent around. I'm excited about it. Again, it's all about staying healthy. Always great to visit. Appreciate your time. Big Dan, thank you very much. Good seeing you, brother. Joe also recently hosted a golf outing to benefit Ohio Valley Goodwill. It's the 21st year he's been the celebrity host, and he's also served on the board of directors. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. It's hard to imagine any kicker in NFL history having a better rookie year than Evan McPherson. He booted five walk-off game winners including two in the playoffs. Kicked nine field goals of 50 or more yards, that's the most in a Bengals career, let alone a season, and drilled a team record 58-yarder. Who better to discuss that with than the team's all-time leading scorer and the kicker on their two previous Super Bowl teams, Jim Breach. All right, Jim, I'm sure you had high expectations for Evan McPherson, but did he exceed them? I think it was pretty apparent he exceeded everybody's expectations except maybe his own. Uh, he, and it was just amazing what he did last year. And, you know, he, you hope there's no complacency there. And, you know, you do it once, you got to do it, come back and do it again. So to prepare well mentally, but he's, he was phenomenal. I mean, I, I really think that he's Justin Tucker-like. Maybe mm. because of his youth, he's still a hair short. If he can put 10 years like that together... But, uh, you know, they, that was a great pick. He got, they got ripped for picking him in the fifth <laughs> round, and now it's like, I think, you know, if we took him in the second round, it still would have been a good pick now with what he accomplished. Yeah, I think he eliminated the saying, don't <laughs> draft a kicker, right? Yeah, and even when, uh, I think it was Cleveland took a kicker in fourth or fifth round, and I see they're raving about this guy. You know, when, you're, when you got points involved, it's a huge thing. You know, it's, 
it's, it's part of your offense. And if they can really impact your offense, then why wouldn't you? You know, why, why worry about all the analytics part of it? How does he impact your team? And he makes a huge difference to the Bengals. I was talking to Zach Taylor recently about that, and he said, you know, it, it allows us to think differently on our play calling when we know once we get over the 50, we've got a chance. You famously were money in the clutch. Do you see anything in his demeanor that helps explain why he was so uh, adept at, at coming through in those pressure pack situations? I, I think it's hard to, to really see some of his demeanors. There, there are times when the guy seems real fidgety, but there's definitely a confidence in his in his case, and it's just it, it's one of those things. You know, you get into a good routine, you understand how to deal with it, and you really have to want it. You have to enjoy it. Because I always thought it was kind of the coolest thing. You kind of put yourself out there. Can I do this when it matters most? And to me, that was the most fun. And I would say that he probably feels the same way. But it's also the greatest way you can help your team as a kicker because obviously we're only on the field for a couple minutes a game. So if we can impact it positively because these guys are out there busting their heads and at least we can help them out right he kicked a walk-off game winner in his nfl debut do you think that propelled him going forward it certainly didn't hurt that was huge and what a great comeback against and then the fumble they got to be able to go down and kick the field goal so everything he did i mean there was nothing you can really think about that he didn't handle well you know the, the game against green bay where it was so windy and he and cosby were both struggling he bounced right back from it. I don't know if he missed another kick or maybe one kick the rest of the year. So everything he did, he showed he's got just un- great perseverance, but great confidence and great talent. Did you wince when he prematurely celebrated in the Green Bay game, thinking that he had kicked the game winner only to see it get blown to the left? Uh, I get it. I mean, when you kick it, you, you have a pretty good handle on it, yeah. and you know, and then you're watching it fly, and... You know, in that case, it probably wasn't moving a lot. And he's thinking, hey, it looks really good. And then, boom, it moves. So, yeah, I did. I felt bad for him because it looked like the game was over. And then all of a sudden to have that happen, it was unfortunate. But, again, the, when the wind comes into play, you really don't know. you got to make sure it's done before. You know, that's one where I wish they had made more of an effort to get the ball closer because it was so windy and, all, and both guys were really struggling. So when Kevin Huber re-signed, I was speaking at a, a Bengals-related speaking engagement, and I joked, well, the Bengals have re-signed their holder because now that they've got a better offensive line, they don't plan to punt this year anyway. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Kevin Huber says his job now is 60% holding, 40% punting. How valuable is Kevin Huber as a holder? The holder is unbelievably valuable to the kicker. If you, have, if you don't have a good holder, it is... One, it's a struggle because you don't know exactly when the ball is going to be there. If he doesn't have quick hands, if he blocks the ball with his hand, if he can't get it down quick, quickly is, is big because, you know, it's, such, it's only like 1.2 seconds. So you, you want to be able to see the ball. If it's slow getting down and you're kicking just as it's getting there, it is a huge, huge part of the kicker's confidence. And, 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 and good snaps, too, make a big difference. So they're really in great shape there. Um, the holder is amazing. So I get that because he's such a, you know, Evans is such a weapon that I can see what, what he's saying. And he might be right. He might not be punting a lot this year with his <laughs> offense. Yeah. yeah. Last thing, as one of the guys who played in the two previous Super Bowls, what did last year's Super Bowl run mean to you? 
It was so unexpected and it was so fun. You know, the way the city responded, I've always said, I just wish these guys, the current guys, could, could find out what the city feels like when your team is just killing it. And they started killing it there toward the end and the city just went nuts. And it was so much fun to see the, the life in the city and how it came to be. I mean, everywhere. If you think about Bengal fans were all over the country because, I mean, it came out of nowhere and this guy with, you know, a messed up knee and he's playing that next year and boom, they make it to the Super Bowl and really within, you know, a fraction of, of winning the Super Bowl. And that's the biggest thing. We've struggled. We can't seem to get we, – we play them all close and we can't seem to close it out. So we got to figure out how to close it out. Every Super Bowl has been getting closer. It's gone from five points to four points to three points. So it's getting closer. Yeah, and, and, and the last two – we were ahead, and that, that's the thing. I mean, we've got to be the team that steps up like they did in the playoffs where they come up with the big plays. We've got to be that team that stops that drive. It doesn't allow that to, to have the chance to score and come away with a winner. So they're getting closer, and I just hope they have another opportunity. I hope they have a few opportunities in these next few years. Me too. Always great to catch up. Thank you, you for your time. Too. Thanks for being out here, Dan. Jen is among the 15 nominees on this year's Ring of Honor ballot. My final guest this week is an offensive lineman who spent most of his 14-year NFL career in Pittsburgh before ending it with his hometown Bengals, Woodward High School grad John Jackson. It's no secret the Bengals needed to improve the offensive line in the offseason. They went out and signed three veterans. What was your reaction? I was happy um, because you need to really take care of the, um, the guys in the backfield, and especially that quarterback. Um, he's young and upcoming, and um, I think his, he's only going to be as good as his offensive line. So we'll see this year. I mean, they're going to have a tough schedule. Anytime you go to a Super Bowl, you get the best <laughs> of the best. It is loaded, no doubt about that. Now, there were some free agents out there that were at the top of the pay scale, and had you signed one of those guys, you might have only been able to get one. Instead, they were able to get three veterans with good track records at a relatively reasonable price. Do you like that strategy as opposed to signing uh, Trent Williams or Brandon Scherf, somebody like that? Well, I think you, you've got to look at it this way. I mean, whatever fits in that locker room and the culture, um, you don't want to disrupt that culture. Um, having a high-priced guy go in there, it, it might um, rub a couple people um, wrong. So I think they, they did it the right way. You know, um, three is better than one any day. <laughs> That's a very accurate math. Did you wince as you watched the playoff win over Tennessee when Joe got sacked eight times or the Super Bowl when he got sacked six times? Was that difficult as a former O-lineman to watch? It's always um, hard to watch those quarterbacks go down because, you know, offensive line take pride in you know, what they do. And it's just one of those things that, you know, you're going to learn from it. But um, that's one of those things you don't want to be a reoccurring thing. So hopefully they can get that thing fixed um, this offseason and have a great season. Um, I know the fans in Cincinnati are excited, and it's, it's about time. The schedule is brutal, as you alluded to, but the roster is better. What do you think of their prospects for this year? Um, I think they got a great chance. I mean, it, it all boils down to um, staying healthy. And when somebody does go down, do you have that quality backup to go in there and, and play up to that level? So I think they're close to getting that done. But only time will tell. What impresses you most about Burrow? Um, he's just cold-blooded. <laughs> I mean, he's got ice in his veins. Um, you give him some time, and he'll put it in the right spot. Um, 
for a quarterback to be hit that many times, um, that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. What did the team's success mean to you last year? I was just proud of them, um, especially being from Cincinnati. But um, you know, I played with three different teams, and I had a chance to come here and play, and it was just it was just fun to watch them. So I'm excited about this season, and we'll see what goes on. Great to see you. Appreciate the time. Good seeing you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free-to-play next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.